0: Welcome to atari bites the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back my name is bill this is episode 174 thanks for listening welcome back to everybody it is a stormy sunday morning where i live and i have a question do any of you know what's on npr at 6:30 on a sunday morning i do because I was out in my car driving around at 6.30 on a Sunday morning. Not a thing I recommend, but it's a thing that I did. I had to go to Annawan, which totally sounds to me like a Star Wars thing. Like, you get into the Millennium Falcon, you make the jump to light speed, and you arrive at Annawan just ahead of the Stormtroopers. Or something. Um, so that's a thing I did with a side trip to Kiwani. And then back to Anawan, and then back home, and it was all very not exciting. It was it, if it had been like Star Wars Episode Nine, it would only make um, half a gajillion dollars, unlike the full gajillion that Episode Nine is going to get later in the year. So yeah, that's the thing I did. So my day started very early. I've had much coffee. And I'm ready to talk to you guys So how you been? How are things going? Getting to the end of the school year For those of you who have kids Or are kids for that matter Um, hi kids If you're listening I'll try not to swear Well enough of this foolishness Let's move on to some other foolishness
1: Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's my you my
0: this is Rocketman on Twitter who by the way has 15 followers uh, apparently me among them. Am I following this guy? Yeah there I am. Hey one of my followers is following him too. Hi Kim. <laughs> Alright so what's what is the This is Rocketman account up to? Ooh Tensions are high. I'm reading a post now. Tensions are high when proving the flat Earth is at stake. Follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Are you going to tell us how tensions are high? Let's see. The post before that. Accidents can happen while trying to launch a rocket in the desert. Uh Uh-oh. Did something happen? On May 10th. Have I talked to you guys since then? Maybe that tells me. I'm looking at that post. Nah, I... That's an old one. Let's see. Ah, shoot. All right. So I'm looking at the uh, Instagram photo. Ooh, it's a video. So there's a link to Instagram. Accidents can happen while trying to launch a rocket in the desert. And then the little flame icons. Throw some ice on that fire. Smiley face. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This is Roger Man. All right, so there's a little video here. There's nothing to hear. It's a smoldering something that could be an alligator. What it kind of looks like is somebody took a a, a rubber monster suit from old Doctor Who and set it on fire. And it doesn't really burn. It just kind of smolders. That's what it looks like. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at here. But uh, I guess maybe that's a rocket? I don't know. All right. Tensions are high when proving the flat earth is at stake. Another link to Instagram. There's a Mad Mike Hughes quote. You know, something else you need to be concerned about is with my safety, Pat. And someone may come out here with a... I'll edit here. With a F effing gun to shoot me. Okay, so nothing actually happened. It's just Mad Mike saying, well, something could happen. Um, Alright. Does anyone... Yeah, I'll just be blunt here. Does anyone really give that much of a crap about Mad Mike Hughes? That they might shoot him? Isn't it more likely that if he were someone trying to prove the Earth is round that a crazed flat earther might shoot him? Given the, the you know... The flat earth view is the minority view. Whether, you know, not saying it's right or wrong, but it's the minority view. Round earth people, there's a lot of those, and they're pretty comfortable that regardless of what Mad Mike does, the earth is going to continue to be round. I really don't see any round earthers shooting him. Uh, you know, uh, to be clear, I'm not advocating that anybody shoots him, but I, I suspect if it's going to happen, uh, it's going to be a, a minority view. Person, a, a flat earther. Not to say that all flat earthers are crazy. I made it clear, I'm saying a crazed flat earther. That seems more likely to me. But maybe it's Mad Mike trying to gin up some uh, drama, given that nothing really appears to be happening except that they're setting uh, Doctor Who monster suits on fire and uh, putting quotes on Instagram. That's about it. All right. Well, after that non-story, that little bit of not drama. I think uh, we can close the book on Mad Mike Hughes for this week. So let's do
1: that. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike
0: Hughes Oh, I forgot one thing that's not directly a Mad Mike update, but it is related. According to physicsastronomy.org Headline More and more Americans are starting to believe Earth is flat. Well, that's just swell. An America interest in the flat Earth movement appears to be growing. In September, Bobby Ray Simmons Jr., a rapper also known as B.O.B., launched a crowdfunding campaign to send satellites into orbit to determine the Earth's shape. On November 9th, 500 flat Earthers assembled in North Carolina for the first annual Flat Earth International Conference. Oh yeah, I didn't look it up, but... Uh, That flat earth conference that Mad Mike is headlining in Vegas I think is um, well actually it might be this weekend that I hint about it so if any of you are going or have gone by the time you listen to this please give me a a full report data from Google Trends shows that in the past two years searches for flat earth have more than tripled so now you've got along with the anti-vaxxers the climate change deniers uh, you've got a growing number of flat earthers for what it's worth this article that I'm looking at doesn't give any data well let's see what's this alright so they have a chart based on Google Trends 2013 it's pretty low it sort of peaked in late well in mid 2015 you've got B.O.B. tweeting about flat earth conspiracy and then it dips down again and then the chemtrails thing kind of peaks a little bit and then flat earth on Google Trends anywhere goes way up in late 2017 when NBA player Kyle Irving, or Kyrie Irving, says the earth is flat in a podcast. I can't think of any more solid authorities on the shape of the earth than NBA player, uh, an NBA player and a rapper. Um, so I'm secure that they may be onto something here. All right. Well, that's fun and disturbing. So. Let's quickly skitter away from that to get to something more realistic, like a video game. This week's game is...
1: Whoa! Aw, oh, think Tooth fairy just leave quarters? Wrong. I need plaque attack by Activision for the Atari 2600. Your pearly wide space an onslaught of flying junk food. Holy moolers, it's intense! But you've got laser action toothpaste. Oh, one more for the Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy? I'm just a TV repair man, a, a, a repair woman, a repair family. Black Attack, another zany idea from Steve Cartwright for
0: Activision. Black Attack, from Activision, 1983. We love us from Activision. On the cover of the manual, you've got, I, I don't know what these things are. I guess maybe they're supposed to be rolls of toothpaste, wearing, you know, big, uh, uh, you know, centurion soldier type uh, hats. You know, helmets with the uh, the plumage on them. They've got the epaulettes. They've got boots. They're armed with toothbrushes. One of them's sort of stabbing a hot dog, sort of gleefully, it appears. You've got a little bit of plaque screaming, Ah, plaque attack! One of the soldiers is on a horse with a, a banner saying, Dental Defense Manual. It all vaguely, for no reason whatsoever, other than it triggers a, a thought in my brain, reminds me of Monty Python, specifically the the knights in the Holy Grail. This is not that, but that's what it reminds me of. How cool would it be uh, if you could get the licensing for it to do a Monty Python and the Holy Grail homebrew Atari game? That would be cool. So the manual tells us, Flash! Across America, awful jawfuls of junk food are causing deadly dental decay. Plaque is spreading its invisible film, turning teeth yellow as they decompose before our very eyes. Blast this junk with toothpaste before it gets to your teeth. And don't let up. This is the plaque attack by Cuspid. The last stop before Gum City. So we're using the joystick for this one. Set both difficulty switches the manual recommends to B to begin. Switches in this position will cause fast continuous fire from your tube when the red button is depressed. Set switches in position A for slower continuous fire. Game one is a one player advanced level. Difficulty and points increase rapidly as your score rises. Game 2 is two players uh, with the same difficulty level. Game 3, one player beginner, less rapid increase in difficulty, less rapid increase in points. Game 4 is a two player at that um, slower pace. Your score is in the upper top left corner along with your uh, lineup of bonus teeth. Uh, You've got teeth uh, on the top and bottom on the screen. The decaying teeth are yellow. The toothpaste tube is in the middle, and you can move it around with your joystick, and then you have various food items, hot dogs and hamburgers and cherries, tomato, or not tomatoes, uh, strawberries, uh, donuts, that kind of thing, coming at you. No know two owners of Sears Telegames Video Arcade. Difficulty is called skill. A is expert, and B is novice. Push the joystick left to right, and you move to the left or right, obviously. Pull the joystick back, and you'll aim toward the lower mouth. Push the joystick forward, and you'll aim toward the upper mouth. Press the red button to squirt the toothpaste. Time is a factor. As soon as you press game reset, you'll have 35 seconds to wipe out each wave of food. Your tube will shrink as time runs out. Isn't that always the way your tube shrinks as time runs out? Anyway, points are scored each time you shoot a food article. Bonus points are received at the end of every wave for each tooth remaining and for each second of time left. For example, if you've shot all the food in wave 2 with 10 seconds remaining, you get 100 bonus points, and 8 teeth remaining, you get 160 bonus points, and you receive a total of 260 bonus points. See chart. Hey, you in the back, put down that hot fush sundae, rotting your teeth. Look at the chart for goodness sakes. Alright, thank you. You begin with 8 teeth in your mouth. With each increase of 2000 points, a bonus tooth will appear beneath your score, Bonus teeth are automatically placed in your mouth at the beginning of the next wave. What offshoot species of human are you that bonus teeth just appear in your mouth? How freaked out would, you, would your dentist be if that happened? The game ends when you've lost all your teeth and have used up all your toothpaste. If I lose all my teeth, I don't give a crap about the rest of my toothpaste. I'm just saying. When you blast all the food in all eight of the waves, brace yourself for a super plaque attack. All eight waves will return in ferocious retaliation, and the harder you work, the harder they work, taking on hectic motion patterns and evading your moves with each new cycle. No limit to the number of shots you can take, but your toothpaste tube will shrink as time runs out and eventually disappear. Without a tube in your mouth, your teeth are defenseless against the food remaining in that wave. Once plaque attacks a tooth, it turns yellow, but you can still save it if you act quickly. Blast the toothpaste at the uh, food invader, and the plaque... You know, wipe out the food and the plaque and restore your tooths. healthy whiteness if you lose all your teeth at first don't get too down on the mouth all you need is practice you'll soon develop a sense of rhythm and timing notice that the food waves alternate, alternately attack the top and bottom teeth so begin to anticipate that movement be generous in your shots of toothpaste blast away you've got nothing to lose and shots are unlimited and time is of the essence join the Activision no plaque pack can you reach a score of 35,000 points or more I assume they mean on this game. If so, you can become a no plaque packer. That's hard to say. No plaque packer. A leader in the bitter war against tooth decay. Just send us a photo of the T V screen showing your score, along with your name and address, and we'll send you the official no plaque pack emblem. Do you guys know what I'm gonna say, right? If anyone has a no plaque pack emblem, I wanna see it. And now, a moment for some facts about tooth decay. Flash. 90% of American mouths are now under plaque attack. Will you be another casualty? Who's the ten, other 10%? Do they not eat or drink? Are they dead? Is that why their teeth are not under attack? And there's more than 10% of the population dead. Possibly. I guess that depends how you define population, right? Is population just the people who are alive? Or it does it include people who are dead? If it includes people who are dead, there's way more than 10% who are in the population, if that's how you're defining it. If it's just the people who are alive, I'm back to my original question. Who are these 10% that there's no plaque attacking their teeth? All right. Fact. Plaque is a bacteria that grows all over your teeth. It uses, uses sugars to form acids that cause tooth decay. Whenever you eat stuff like candy, cakes, sweetened cereals, soda, honey, sweetened juice, you're bathing your teeth with acidic plaque. It's a regular tooth torture fest. Freddie Fluoride says, you can win the war against plaque. They have quotation marks around this, by the way. Freddie Fluoride says, win the war against plaque, just by taking these precautions. One, cut out, cut down on sugary foods. Sure, they taste good. (laughs) Yeah, they do. But that's just taste bud propaganda. No, no, they really do taste good. Beneath that sugary coating lies tooth decay. If eaten, avoid panic. Remain calm. Oh my... God, I ate an Oreo. Hey, Nabisco, if you want to sponsor the podcast, send me an email. ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Brush within 20 minutes. Two, learn proper brushing techniques and floss daily. Three, see a dentist twice a year for a checkup and a professional cleaning. Oh, I thought maybe you meant like if you run into the dentist at the grocery store or something. And then another quote from, what's his name? Freddie Fluoride. Quote, that's all it takes. Won't you give it a try? Tips from Steve Cartwright, designer of Placatat. Steve is one of Activision's most prolific game designers. His previous releases, Barnstorming, Mega Mania, and Seaquest. Well, there you go. That's why this game re- reminds me so much of Mega Mania. Steve Cartwright worked on that one, too. You haven't heard it yet, but in the field report, I talked about how this game reminds me of Mega Mania. Steve has quickly established his outstanding reputation. Aside from video games, Steve enjoys motorcycle touring, photography, and brushing after every meal. And then we have Steve's notes. Hello there! Let me give you some tips to help you survive the plaque attack. It's almost impossible to recover from poor oral hygiene, hygiene, that is sloppy gameplay, experienced in the early stages. The best strategy is to acquire as many bonus teeth as possible as soon as you can. Next, when things get really hairy, if you have hairy teeth, you've got other problems, in my opinion. Don't bother going after food particles that are not moving toward your teeth. If they're moving off to the side, let them go. In the early stages, it's best to play offensively, blasting away all the junk food in sight. Also remember that the food always reverses direction as soon as a tooth tooth is attacked. Try to save the tooth, then turn your tube around immediately and continue shooting. You know, this game is just like real life. Poor tooth care at the start will get you in the end, and the sooner you develop good dental habits, the longer your teeth will survive. So put down that junk and write me a letter. Tell me about your system of tooth care, on screen and off. Steve Cartwright. Hmm. You know, what occurs to me. This is a game inspired by you know the importance of good, uh, you know, good tooth care. They could have other games for for other good, um, you know, good hygiene practices. They could have a game about uh, you know washing your hands after you go to the bathroom. About uh, using a sufficient amount of toilet paper, you know, you could have some in that one. You could have some games where you're you're a TP folder, and other ones where you're a TP crumpler. You know, and, and it could affect your your score depending on which you choose. You could have games about the importance of prostate care. It seems to me the list is endless of you know self-help, self help, uh, self self care games that you could do for, you know in service to the public i saw an article on statnews.com that talks about how gaming technology is hot in the health world these days as entre- entrepreneurs explore ways to use video games to improve our physical and mental well-being well-being see i think there's a, a room for this prostate care thing you know you gotta you gotta aim the the finger and well never mind the National Institutes of Health, according to this article, recently awarded millions to a Seattle company and researchers at the University of Washington to develop a study to develop and study a suite of dental health games including Attack of the S Mutants and Keep Your Teeth, and a British group at the King's College London Dental Institute is testing a game called Barney's Health Foods in a randomized randomized clinical trial to see if the children who play it adopt better dental hygiene and get fewer cavities. And then we get into the point of the article, which is, while this all may seem cutting-edge, you know, use of technology, but it's not new. And then they cite Plaque Attack, which came out in 83. They observed that the game wasn't actually meant as a public health initiative. A company called Activision came up with it after the game they'd been planning to showcase at the Splashy Consumer Electronics Show fell through. Steve Cartwright had to rush together a substitute. Instead of the typical three months to produce a game, he had six weeks. He copied code from Mega Mania and adjusted some of the visuals, outer space turned into the inside of a mouth, and plaque attack was born. The game was supposed to be marketed on TV, and they have a Cartwright quote. The concept for the commercial was that a tooth fairy appeared in somebody's bedroom to tell them to brush their teeth and play plaque attack. I don't think it ever aired. Well, that's pretty much the commercial that you heard earlier in this episode, Steve. Weren't you listening to this episode when you gave this quote sometime in the past? Johnson & Johnson released its own oral hygiene Atari game also in 1983, called Tooth Protectors a monster dropped snacks which were colored squares onto teeth at the bottom of the screen. Players controlled a smiling face wielding a strand of dental floss which deflected the snacks. The player could also call in reinforcements including a toothbrush, toothpaste, and fluoride rinse The game's manual made a point of telling players about the real Tooth Protectors all the J&J products available for purchase at your local drugstore. Um, They have some quotes here from computer programmers who say the game was fine but it didn't quite stick Um, I guess the gist of that is basically Plaque Attack was better. Has anybody played Johnson & Johnson's tooth protecting game called Tooth Protectors? There is a link here to the manual. Um, I may have to look for that. OneMoreCastle.com actually says, though, that Activision and Cartwright were commissioned by the American Dental Association to help promote good dental hygiene to the youth of America and developed and published this game before its evil Megacorp days. Plaque Attack is a really stupid idea for a game that somehow manages to be really stupid fun. It's weird. You have a little summary of the, the game. Food is bad and you must kill all of it, but can only do so using 4 out of 5 dentist approved toothpaste. I guess they were going to use dental floss as a bonus weapon in the sequel. The sound isn't great. You've got the pew pew sound when you shoot toothpaste, another sound for when you hit the food and it, uh, dies. There's the sound of a tooth decaying or exploding, and two distinct bleeps when you start a level. The game feels cold and empty. You get the impression that something is missing and something and that something is music. But as you progress, you notice that the food moves more and more quickly, and you start to miss the music less and less. The graphics are fairly decent when compared to the other games for the console. The food mostly looks like the food is meant to represent, but we have the often present on the 2600 pitch black backgrounds. However, if those gums are, if those teeth are attached to what are supposed to be gums, the person belo- they belong to desperately needs a new dentist. My kid is a toddler and has has less space between his teeth, and has twice as many teeth as this poor person with a measly eight. Colors are bright, and flickering wasn't a problem. The game plays rather like Space Invaders in many ways, but your ship can move more freely from side to side, and up and down. I cannot see myself playing Plaque Attack for very long, at a time, because the enemy burgers, ice cream cones, and strawberries move faster and faster much too quickly as you progress through the levels. He kind of... Give some thought to how long it takes to play the game and get certain scores. Likely means the best score ever took around ten minutes to get. Best score being just under seventy-eight thousand points at that time. There's not much of a payoff for constantly for constantly practicing and playing for hours. If the reward is simply playing for about ten seconds more, and getting an extra two thousand points than your last run. But if you're looking for something to play for a short little gaming session, something that the
1: range,
0: something in the range of fifteen to thirty minutes, this game will provide you with a good deal of fun. Alright, well, after the break, we find out if this game about plaque has any teeth. There are an estimated 600 species of bacteria that could live in your mouth, but probably only 34 to 72 of them actually live in your mouth. The average person produces a liter of saliva per day, or 30,000 liters in your lifetime. 90% of life-threatening diseases have some symptoms uh, that develop in your mouth. Human saliva keeps the pH balance of your mouth alkaline. Otherwise, it would be an acidic environment that would dissolve its own teeth. A child has all their adult teeth up inside their head, even though you can't see them yet. There are over 100 million bacteria in a single drop of your saliva. Your teeth are alive. Introverts produce more saliva than extroverts. The hardest thing in your whole body is the enamel on your teeth. The tongue is the strongest muscle in your body, relative to size, and the only muscle that's attached on only one end. So there you go. Pucker up. All right, we're playing Plaque Attack from Activision. We do love uh, some Activision. I'll bet you I've already said that at least once this episode by the time you're hearing this field report. So I got the, uh, the opening screen up on the screen. I'm playing with both switches on B, the novice level, I guess. Although the little bit that I played, novice level, pretty fast as it, as it, uh, you know, just about fast enough as it needs to be. The teeth, you know, they, they look like teeth, I guess. The mouth is, I mean, more of a square. I guess you're, you think of it as somebody opening their mouth and you get sort of a close-up shot through a, a camera lens. So it looks like it's a, a square got the tube of toothpaste floating around you got the various food items Uh, giving us a preview of what the food items will be so let's uh... let's play it and see all right get ready hamburgers. the sounds to me are very reminiscent of mega mania And that's okay with me, because Mega Mania was one of my favorites as a kid. I've kind of lost my touch over the years. Uh, All the years that I didn't play. Hot dogs! It's a sausage fest in here. Wait, that's something else. Never mind. Ooh. Too busy talking. Not enough time. Brushing teeth, I guess. I don't know that squirting toothpaste right on your teeth, you know, by itself, just does anything for teeth care. But I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that there needs to be a toothbrush in there somewhere. But oh well. Wow, um, I'm not like I'm not hitting any of these French fry bags. There we go. Yeah, rack up those points. Squirt that toothpaste. Squirt me. Squirt me. Strawberries. This sort is of giving strawberries a bad name. No, I guess the point is, even healthy food can uh, be bad for your teeth if you don't brush properly. But still, you would expect in a game like this there would be more uh, ice cream and donuts and cookies and stuff. Here come the cherries. Holy crap, that's a lot of cherries. Lost a tooth, lost man, lost another one. Dang you cherries. (sighs) Those cherries don't mess around. There's the donuts. Ooh, those look good too. Oh, man. God, donuts. I did a lot better than this when I was practicing. There you are. Phew. Those donuts are awful. Candy canes! Get some little Christmas up in here. Holy crap, that's a lot of candy canes. If you're eating this many candy canes, you deserve some tooth decay. Oh. It's like a tooth massacre. Back off. Man. are you? I know you're coming. Mm -hmm. Alright, here comes ice cream. I'll be honest, I question the ability of plaque to coordinate its, its attacks so thoroughly. Just saying. I think that's a conspiracy that uh, big dentistry wants you to believe. I'm not even sure plaque causes cavities. There, I said it. Whoa. Holy crap. I didn't mean- oh, I think I'm- ah, back off, I got one tooth left. I'm from Alabama. Ooh, that wasn't nice. No offense, Alabamans, just kidding. This be the end of the game. I guess that's what I get for making fun of Alabama. Whoa. Oh, yeah, I had a bonus tooth. Sweet. Ooh, there goes my bonus tooth. Bonus tooth? No bonus tooth. I am toothless. Just gumming my way through the rest of this show. Well, soup for me. And back to the studio for you. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8 bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge based games for Atari's 8 bit computer line? We also review budget games, which are mostly released
1: only in the UK. But that's not all, we also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that, and for free, just by listening to us on either
0: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at
1: xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in.
0: Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast? but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Plaque Attack. I like it. It made me happy that it was so much like Mega Mania. Like I said, Mega Mania was my go-to game as a kid. I'm very happy to play a, Ma- a Mega Mania-type game. I think it does look good. I think I would play it quite a bit. And really, as we know, if it inspires me to keep playing the game, that's really all I want from an Atari game. So, well done, Plaque Attack. Good on you in your six weeks, Mr. Cartwright.
1: It's story time on Atari bites Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This
0: week's story is titled "Bared Teeth, Bared Soul." The door to Soundstage 17 banged first into the exterior wall as it opened, then against the frame as the hydraulics pulled it closed. The sound reverberated off the set of children's morning show, Colonel Pop-Pop, and the stunned cast and crew scattered about. Every weekday morning, the show's star, Leslie Skip Roberts, had hosted Colonel Pop-Pop in the title role since August 10, 1953. The show began as a local production and blossomed into a national favorite, unrivaled in popularity, until Sesame Street came along. The colonel had just been informed this morning that the beloved preschool fixture, would be ending its run one month from now, May 20th, 1977. God damn it! Colonel Pop-Pop shouted down the hall to his dressing room, where he fought back tears as he removed the glued-on mustache, a replica of the one he'd worn since the beginning of the show until he shaved it off a couple of years ago due to gray hair. He could have just dyed the gray away, the makeup department told him, but the colonel somehow thought that was deceitful to the children in a way a fake mustache was not. When Randy Tompkins arrived to work that morning, he knew none of this. Randy was 21 and had just loved Colonel Pop-Pop his whole life. The colonel was in his earliest black-and-white memories. When the other kids were playing baseball, he was in his basement sewing felt and ping-pong balls into puppets. When the other high school kids were dating and going to the drive-in, Randy was auditioning for every community theater production he could. When he wasn't doing that, he studied magic, or drew monsters and cartoon animals in his sketchbook or tried his hand at making films, stealing time in the studio's editing bays whenever he could, even if that meant going without sleep. Randy loved Colonel Pop-Pop. When the studio had advertised for an intern to help out on production of the roster of local, locally produced shows, Randy peed himself a little bit. Seriously, dude had to change his pants before he got on his bike and rolled to the studio to apply. The application process was rigorous. Here's how it went. Randy. Hello, I'm super excited to apply for the TV job so much. I love TV, and I love Colonel Pop-Pop in particular, and he's really important, and I can't wait to do this and develop my skills and learn to be uh, and learn to be a TV star and do my own show someday. <sighs> the assistant studio manager said, You hey, hired kid. Here's a broom. Randy swept floors, got coffee, and ran errands. He scrubbed toilets after frequent office parties and fetched bourbon for the noon news anchors. He discreetly diverted away any visitors to the station when the general manager was, quote, in a conference with Mark from the sales department. Before long, Randy had done everything you could do at the station, except Mark, though he was up for it. The only job Randy hadn't tried was on-air talent. Then, Magic Millie died. From day one of the Colonel Pop-Pop show, Magic Millie had been a fixture. Every day, she appeared on the show. Some days, she introduced the Good Manners for Good People segment. Sometimes, that was about saying please and thank you. Sometimes it was about writing thank-you letters, or how to answer the telephone, or how to hold a chair out for a lady. Other days, Magic Millie appeared in skits with Colonel Pop-Pop, where she imparted some sort of lesson about patience, or science, or kindness to the colonel or one of the various puppets on the show. The skits usually ended with Colonel Pop-Pop saying, Gosh, you're right, again, Magic Millie. Still other days, she did magic tricks for a llama and penguin puppet that lived in the fictional, vaguely military, Fort that housed Colonel Pop-Pop and his Crew. With Millie's passing The producers had a big hole to fill In the show. Randy Convinced Skip To watch the short film Randy had been Working on called Fearless Freckles In which a bunch of animated cartoon Kids with freckles stand up to Neighborhood bullies. What do you Think Colonel? I mean Skip Randy still had a hard time Calling Colonel Pop-Pop by his real name It's garbage kid The colonel said but in the kindest tone ever. Or at least that's how Randy heard it. Still, though, the producers agreed the film was bad, but they liked Randy's exuberance and developed a new character to replace Magic Millie. Body Bob. Each week, Body Bob would appear on the show dressed as a different body part and either talk about or show a short film about that body part. The idea was to illustrate common kid questions. Why does hair grow? Why do we have fingernails? Why are Auntie Carol's boobs bigger than Mommy's? Okay, that last one came at the end of a long brainstorming session and was quickly strapped. Today on the show, the day Colonel Pop-Pop got cancelled, was to be the debut of Body Bob on the show. Randy showed up on set wearing a giant tooth costume. His first film on the show was going to be called Plaque Attack, and it was about the scourge of plaque and tooth decay. It was filled with exciting Star Wars-type laser battles as the hero blasted laser-like toothpaste at the evil plaque. Randy got the cancellation news two minutes before the camera was turned on him. Although Body Bob's eyes were filled with tears throughout his segment, it went off more or less without a hitch. So flawlessly, in fact, the network reran the film on the show. Every day. For the entire last month, the Colonel pop-up was a thing you could see on TV. The studio didn't want to pay to produce any more Body Bob films, so they kept just the one. The days that Skip Roberts called in sick during that last month, Randy even got to be guest host in costume, as Body Bob, in a giant tooth outfit and white leotard, or sometimes wearing a suit covered with plastic molds of internal organs. When the studio finally went dark after the last episode aired, Skip Roberts went into seclusion, rumored studying with Tibetan monks, and other times rumored to have shaved his head and helped pioneer the underground thrash metal movement. Randy pitched the idea of a new Body Bob show, but the studio didn't bite. It was cheaper to take whatever content the network sent than for the studio to produce its own. None of the other local studios wanted Randy either. They all had their own version of Body Bob. Randy offered himself as a writer, production assistant, the guy that mops up after a network fight night, but nothing. But nothing came of it. Randy had a brief gig doing commercials as Toothman and ads for local dentists. He couldn't wear the Body Bob costume because the networks owned it, but he made good money posing with awkward-looking smiling orthodontists and occasionally a patient. The gig came to an end Though the day Billy Mulligan proved the strength of his new chompers by taking a chunk out of Randy's forearm Randy tried to start his own production company He wrote and directed an indie film called Popped Which told an autobiographical tale about a rising young TV talent Who is betrayed by a metaphorical evil penguin that appears in the movie in the form of a real penguin The film debuted at the town civic center Four people showed up One of them was Randy Another was his mom the other two thought they were at the center to hear a presentation about rerouting garbage trucks for more efficient pickup. So they were a little disappointed. By 1984, Randy was effectively out of show business. With the exception of saying, Gee, Colonel Pop Pop is best body bob voice occasionally when someone recognized him in the frozen food section at the grocery store. In 1986, Randy was busted at a porn theater for indecent exposure. Which seems a little odd. In 1991, during another stint in rehab, an old man with blue hair, a pirate eye patch, tattoos on his entire clean-shaven face, beat up one of the other residents over a thermos. That's not an officially licensed product. Then he beamed the guy with the thermos. When you speak to me, you will call me Colonel Pop-Pop, sonny boy. As security dragged the pirate patch man away, Randy stared at him, mouth agape. Skip? When the two men finally got clean they opened a little business renting out bounce houses and moving vans they made low money and made a lot of people happy when they delivered the bounce houses once in a while the birthday kids dads and moms would recognize them from the old days that was nice and really that was good enough a lot of people look down on good enough as settling for less but sometimes good enough is exactly what you need And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you have already figured out. You also need to tell your friends to go to one of those podcatchers to find the show themselves. And whatever you do, brush and floss twice a day. Another thing you should do, go to iTunes Apple Podcasts and rinse and spit a review of this podcast into the sync thing that is that particular pod source. It will help clear away the plaque and keep this show from decaying in the mouth of Apple Podcasts so that other people can take a bite out of this show for themselves. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also look us up on Instagram. You can also use your tooth-filled mouth to call us and leave a voicemail. 563-265-1978. Leave a message about any damn thing you want. And maybe I'll play it on the show. Please also consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. Or by picking up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. Links to all of that in the show notes. Hey. Do you love Snoopy? Yes, you do. And even if you don't, you know someone who does. One of you, actually both of you, should check out my show. My other show, that is. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your one-stop shop for all things in and around the Peanuts universe. Comic strips, TV specials, movies, merchandise, the mind of Schultz himself. Plays even loosely based on the Peanuts universe. Books, authors. We have authors occasionally. We have playwrights. We have... Lots and lots and lots of discussion About all of these things New episodes drop on the 15th of every month And you should be checking it out Thanks Next time on Atari Bytes Oh man, it'll be June By the time the next episode comes out And you know what that means Actually you might not, so I'm going to tell you It's our second annual in Television month Every Sunday in June We started doing this last year We're going to do it again this year Every Sunday we set aside the Atari For a month and play a different Intellivision game. Why do we do this? Because I have Intelli- Intellivision. Actually, games, That I had concurrently with my Atari as a kid. Uh, I had fun playing that too. I still have it. It works. At least it did when I did this last time. We'll find out if it still works. And I figured, why not get that out every once in a while. And play those games too. So, that's what we're doing. We kick things off for this year's television month with Space Armada. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.